0: You're tuned into Afters, a podcast where I, Anthony Coyar, speak with some of my favorite artists and friends on the scene today in New York and worldwide. Hello and welcome to Afters. This is episode one, and I'm super excited to introduce my first guest ever. Um I've tapped my friend Joselo, who is a New York City-based DJ and producer. He's been running the Party Maricón since 2014. You've seen Joselo play some of our favorite clubs and bars in New York City, such as Paragon, Nowadays, Mood Ring, and more. I am honored that he agreed to appear in my very first episode. We've actually been talking about this for well over a year and we finally made it happen. I'm pleased to introduce you to Hosello. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Tell me about your background, where did you grow up and how long have you been in New York City?
1: So, I grew up right outside of Boston, pretty much raised in Southern New Hampshire. My family moved there from like Puerto Rico. My dad traveled quite a bit, but like ended up there mostly because of religious reasons. And then um, I ended up moving to New
0: York in
1: 2007 and I've been here since.
0: Did you grow up around music and um, did you have any DJs in the family, like did you play music at home?
1: So music was definitely mostly centered around the religion. So my dad was somebody that loved music. Um, So I grew up Pentecostal, which is a branch of Christianity that has a very extreme doctrine. Um, So I was definitely kind of closed off to most things, you know, like growing up, a lot of my friends knew who the Beatles were through their friends or just, you know, things like that. I mostly just knew Some like Spanish music, but mostly church music. But my dad, he played the guitar. He also played the cuatro, um, which is like a four string guitar. That's a very kind of like folk, Puerto Rican folk music. Um, And then me and my sisters all sang and we sang in church and stuff like that. Um, And then for a little while I played the timbales and the drums in my church. Um, so that was kind of like my main introduction to music.
0: What were some of your sources of music and culture growing up? You, you know, you said you went to school and you'd hear people talk about other artists. Like, how did you stay connected? So
1: the way that I stayed connected is of course the internet,
0: you know, I was
1: in high school right around that time where like, MIA was kind of like starting to come out big or like kind of that y time of music. So when I was, I think it was when I was 16, I would sneak out to this queer party in Boston called Bagley. That's where I actually met a ton of my friends um, that really kind of introduced me to like different styles of music. Um, That's where I met my friend Khalif, better known as like Leaf, you know, at 16. We were running around Boston being fucking idiots. And I also, one of my close friends growing up was, his name is Javis. Um, he goes by JavaScript. And he was definitely a big influence and introduced me to a lot of things like Spank Rock, Santa Gold. Um, and that was kind of my big introduction to kind of like independent underground music. Before then, You know, of course I had LimeWire and stuff like that. And, um, although I wasn't really allowed to listen to, to secular music, that's how you say it, right? Secular music?
0: Is it secular or (laughs) non-secular? I always get it wrong. I don't know. Non-religious music.
1: So although I wasn't allowed to listen to secular music, um... I also had friends in high school where like, I would go to like hardcore shows and like kind of like pop punky shows. And so I was basically like around the age of 16 was when I was able to get a job, get myself a car, get my license. And that's when I was really able to like venture away from the church because I always had the excuse of working. Um, And that's when I started kind of figuring out myself musically, but before then, My dad was really, in the early 2000s, was really into reggaeton, which was, like, shocking to me because, you know, like, that was so against our religion. It was, like, definitely not something that was allowed. And, like, I remember one of his favorite artists was Tego Calderon Mm. because he was, like, you know, he was... He was like a poet in some sense. He, You could almost consider him, maybe this is a reach, but like the Tupac of the reggaeton generation, mm. where he really spoke about the people. He spoke about politics. Like, he was just a fucking pioneer when it came to that. And um, I was actually really into his music. So, um, yeah, I had my little moments of kind of like, Finding out about different things and being allowed to listen to to other things. Um, But in terms of, you know, my exposure to music, it felt very secretive. It felt like I had to hide a lot of it. You know, um, I remember when I first got like LimeWire. I remember I was really obsessed with all of Timbaland's beats. Mm -hmm. That was like. That shit turned me the fuck out. And I'm still fucking obsessed with his production from, like, the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, But I would find my ways, you know, as a young kid, especially being, like, a young queer kid in a very, very anti-gay religion, you find your ways to, like, kind of explore outside of the boundaries that are set for you. But, yeah, I think I went on a tangent. No, no.
0: (laughs) I mean, Timlin's, like legendary yeah. um that's interesting i'm just thinking about boston like i've been to boston a bunch of times like were these like queer parties or were these just like house parties like i'm just curious about like what those spaces were
1: it was definitely giving more of a like it was almost giving like high school prom like it was like organized by people and it was you know you could go there under 18 mm. um but i only went to a couple of them actually And then I had some friends from a different high school in my town, which was considered the, like, wealthier high school. Um, And Bagley was, like, one of the things, but most of the things were, like, house parties and hang out in people's basements, you know, um... It's interesting because now that I'm talking to you about this, I've realized, like, how many different shifts and scenes I went through Mm -hmm. from the time that I was able to kind of gain my own freedom to, like, the short time between then and me, like, officially leaving and moving New York City. You know, I went through my, like, hardcore phase. And it wasn't, I wouldn't call it a phase because I still listen to a lot Mm -hmm. of that music still. Like hardcore music. Yeah, yeah. Um... Long. Like, Hammer Bros, some later stuff like Evergreen Terrace. I was a big faggot for Shiotos. And like, <laughs> I knew
0: nothing about this genre. So really? Um, that's cool, though.
1: Yeah, I was just... I was a huge fan of that stuff. And then mm-hmm. and then from there, I got introduced to, like, M.I.A. back in the early 2000s. And, um, you know, even, like, Cakes the Killer when I started hearing their stuff. And Rose Boogie, like, her... Her original, like, older music, um, I was just so fucking, like, shook by it. I was like, this is fucking fire. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I started kind of, like, because I definitely had, growing up, I had a lot of insecurities about the lack of references and knowledge of, like, pop culture and music culture. And, like, sometimes I still have that a little bit. Because I definitely do, I do have these like tricky moments with like the religious thing mm-hmm. and kind of like going into these weird backwards way of thinking and being like, oh my God, like was the religion right? Like is what I'm doing bad? And I think I was just so conditioned in that, re- in that religion and was so sheltered and like taught about I was just kind of like... All this fear was instilled into me. Mm-hmm. So I have this really, really interesting relationship with music.
0: Um, and life in general, really. Does uh, that come up for you like in the music process? Or is that just in all aspects of your life?
1: I think in all aspects of my life. But I do notice it coming up for me in the music. Part. During a set or something? Or? Not necessarily during a set. Mostly when I'm digging for tracks. But a lot of it is kind of like... I have friends that grew up with their parents like playing old house music and like even friends that were like exposed or like were around um I just forgot the genre of music La India did it very New York Mm -hmm. I can't
0: I know you're yeah not Um, freestyle but like no freestyle it was freestyle
1: yeah um But yeah, but I, like, I was never around that. And, like, I sometimes started feeling like I was playing catch-up, in a sense. Um, But music has always been a huge part of my life, though. It has, like... And definitely... It's very interesting to have it be something that, like, I'm making money off of now. Right. You know, it actually kind of makes it a little more difficult to work on things because it has this weight of, like, this is how I'm going to survive or, like, this is where I put all my energy into. And it gets scary, you know, because I don't, you know, I don't come from a family that has any kind of money. I'm not inheriting anything. You know, I try, I help out as much as I can. And like, you know, it's kind of like, I don't have a safety net. So it gets scary when you're like putting your time and energy into something that really like could go either way. You know, it's not like going to school for finance or going to school to be a doctor. You have a clear path. You have this kind of guaranteed structure as to how your life
0: is gonna be. Um, do you think that that like prevents you from being like experimental, or do you feel like you're able to like explore and be experimental in like your process? I have a very huge range. I,
1: you know, can play anywhere from like just a club night to like a Spanish reggaeton night to a techno night. And sometimes, like, especially since I've been doing this for so long, it's like everyone has their sound and they stick to their sound. And, like, with me, I just enjoy so many different avenues of music that the idea of, like, boxing myself into something really stresses me out and kind of hinders my ability to, like, even, like, put a mix out. You know, it's like, because there's so much weight on this being how I'm going to survive, it makes, it can make me spiral and be like, I have to be smart. Like, what should I stick to? Like, should I keep it consistent? So I've been definitely going through this weird kind of thing of how do I blend all these sounds into something that, feels like me but would also make sense to be booked in a lot of places
0: did you spend a lot of time in new york city before you moved here or what was your like impressions or i had never been here so you moved and that was your first time it was my first time wow um the main thing
1: was i'm like any young like little gay boy a i wasn't out to anybody and i knew that i just needed to move far away just to be able to, like, actually live my life. Um, And Boston was just, didn't make sense for me. It felt too close. And I was
0: definitely influenced by things like Party Monster Mm -hmm. and, like... Okay, so you knew that that's, like, I'm going to New York because there's this world that, like...
1: It was, yeah, and it wasn't so much that I was interested in, like, entering that world mm -hmm. of the nightlife scene. I just knew that I could be me because I saw the extreme of like being whoever you want and like being a freak and like and also I just knew that I could just do whatever the fuck I wanted and I didn't have to be scared of being myself and that was a huge thing that I grew up in grew up with for so long that fear of like I mean I was taught that like you were possessed with a demon if you were gay. And I just didn't... I wanted to get as far away from that as possible. And I knew that New York City was, like, the place. Um, and that's when I started to, like, really kind of get introduced to things. I think my first things that I was introduced to was, like, Rough Club, which was... Oh, my
0: God. Yes. Lower East Side. Lower East, East Side. That. Iconic party. Wait, so, we've been crossing paths for so many years. I don't understand how... We just met two years ago at us. I can't believe we just met at That's Yeah, That's kind of nuts.
1: It's insane. But Rough Club was one of the big things that would So you were there. like an
0: indie kid then for a minute. Oh, 1,000%. <laughs> my, like, my first job in New York City was at American Apparel in two thousand. Oh, like yeah. or nine. You were, So were you hanging out at McCarran Park Pool, like the pool parties? Are you? Um, Absolutely. The like, literally, I was there every single party. Like, um, blogger, like just, you know there
1: <laughs> did you ever go to lit lounge yeah of course now it's the cock <laughs> that yeah. was
0: lit lounge was like lit lounge was did you flat iron your hair like okay i didn't that i wouldn't wa- no, no no no
1: i did have like a bit of a mullet
0: but i wasn't giving flat ironed hair. Okay. no we gotta pull up some pictures because oh you I'll, want oh you want photos okay, i got I'm, photos yeah we'll have to do that <laughs> offline but like and there's We had to have seen each, like, I don't, this makes no sense to me. I know. I wonder if
1: there's still, is there an archive of the Rough Club photos? I wonder. will have to check. Were was you one that? of those people that, like, got a picture up every week? I didn't do it every week, but I, I definitely have at least two. Okay. At least two. <laughs> yeah. That's that like was it. such a fun party. I right. remember, like, Lindsay Lohan used to go to that. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't giving, like, oh, Lindsay Lohan, the celebrity. It was giving kind of just, like, the grit and the grunge of it all. Yeah,
0: yeah. And not a lot of people know about that era, like, weren't here for it. So, like, it's it's fun to, like, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, then I was introduced to, like, a little further down, like, I was introduced to, like, ghetto gothic. Mm-hmm. I was, like, yeah. you know, I also ended up moving to Bushwick, I think, in, like, I can't remember, 2013, 14. Okay. And where were you before that? Before that, I had hopped around. So, I was actually... I moved to Brooklyn in Brooklyn Heights. And I was living in dorms there. Was
0: it St. George Hotel? Yeah. I lived there too. Shut I... the fuck up. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, that that had like the history of being the pool that... Marilyn Monroe would stay at that hotel because they had a saltwater pool in the basement or something. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so funny. Wild. <laughs> so
1: I stayed in those dorms. Um, and then shortly after... I ended up, I was still in school, but I moved in with, I have this friend, Sam, that I know from New Hampshire, who's like this amazing artist, I ended up going to um, Pratt for architecture and him and his friends lived in Bed-Stuy um, on Taffy Place. It's a really beautiful loft. I ended up moving over there and moving in with them. Um, I think once I moved to Bushwick I was like oh this is like where I need to be cause okay. that was like early Bushwick days mm-hmm. like there was only wrecked Room yep I used to DJ there fab, <laughs> and there was Tandem
0: yep and those were like the two spots like did you ever go to the Gotham City Lounge the like superhero bar no I know it
1: but I actually yeah. never went to it yeah yeah um so yeah so I lived I've lived all over um and then like move to Bushwick once I kind of got my shit together.
0: Yeah. Um, but
1: yeah, but
0: yeah. I was there at that time too. That was definitely the place to be, and like things were coming up. Like it was Tandem, it was uh, Rectum. Did you ever go to Body Actualize? That Market Hotel. There was like yeah, those were the places, and then yeah, then um, of course Bossa Nova opened in 2012.
1: Yes, so I didn't start going to Bossa until maybe, like, 2014, 2015. Mm-hmm. Like, that's when I started to, like... Because I was definitely more in the, like, clubby, underground, like, POC without calling it POC. Mm-hmm. You know, I just kind of related more with...
0: What was what were those parties?
1: So it was, like, Contessa Studio. I don't know if you know Cunt Mafia. Shout out to Cunt Mafia okay, and yeah. Contessa she is a fucking legend and she was throwing parties like Cherry Bomb and I can't remember all the other parties but she would throw parties along the like Williamsburg um, waterfront before it was ever developed and it was just like wow
0: actual... I didn't experience that I wasn't I was more yeah. into like the DIY like it was then, yeah like yeah. but that obviously yeah that sounds like that but a different I just wasn't plugged into that scene Wait,
1: speaking of DIY did we ever go to Rubalad?
0: yeah yeah, it was on, like, Flushing Ave or, like, Taffy. Yeah, I, I used to go to that a bit. And, yeah, that was definitely, like, my introduction to, like, psychedelic spaces. Same, actually, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: So I found that space through friends that went to Pratt. Because when I was living with all of them, that was, like, more the vibe. Yeah. Um, I ended up um, being introduced to, like, through my friend Khalif, actually. He mm-hmm. brought me to a lot of these places. Um, you know, like, I would go and watch Quay Dash, like, perform, and just all these fucking iconic, Mm -hmm. like, New York people. No
0: bra. Yep. Um. So, I'm gonna just jump to a different topic now. Um, so I scrolled through your Instagram to your first post in 2014. (laughs) What is your relationship to social media? I know it's, like, obviously it's kind of a part of the job, but, like, how does it play into... You're like the DJ and the music scene and everything.
1: So it's interesting. I used to use social media all the time. A lot, a lot. And I still use it, but not as much as I used to. My relationship with it has changed a lot over the past like year or two. It was really what helped me be gay when I was closeted. Mm. There were certain things like these websites called like, D-List. I don't know if you guys know them. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of like... Adam for Adam or Manhunt, but make it Facebook, and not for sex. It was, like, MySpace, but, like,
0: gay. Okay, I was thinking about D-List, so that's a celebrity thing. But I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So, D-List was <laughs> just, like, it was just a gay MySpace. Got it. Um, So, you were a D-List icon, influencer?
1: I mean, I definitely... <laughs> the cool thing was that that's actually... I met a lot of people that lived in New York before I moved here through there. Really? Wow. Yeah. Um... And, you know, I think social media is great. I definitely, you know, like, going out when I first got to New York, it was very word of mouth, you know? And there were definitely, like, maybe Facebook and MySpace posts, but, like, everything that I found out about, like, even, like, Ninja Sonic shows and, like, Mm -hmm. all that stuff, like, I found out just word of mouth, which I miss so much. I miss that, like... I miss things happening and, like, it being organic and the crowd being organic rather than, like, you know, now I produce events and you have this stress of How many people are going to get there? We have all these things to pay. Like, and there's so much going on now that, like, I think social media definitely, I won't say, I'm not going to be one of those bitter, like, old queens that's, like, social media ruined nightlife. But it changed it a lot, and it changed New York City Underground a lot, which is cool. But, you know, I've always enjoyed social media. I yeah. think it was my way of, like, kind of figuring myself out before I was surrounded by anybody that I felt like I connected to or that felt similar to me. Mm-hmm. You know. Did
0: you ever go to the bo- the venue called Bodega? It was like on, yeah, that, yeah. It was short-lived, but yeah, I remember because you mentioned Jasonic, it made me think about that. It definitely went to a couple like DIY shows that that felt very dangerously under code DIY venue. Oh <laughs> like, no a lot of these spaces, percent. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and We're I, spoiled now. The like, kids these days like. Yeah.
1: (laughs) They're spoiled, but, like, if you really think about it, they're kind of, like, missing out on a lot. Yeah,
0: there's a lot, there's an era, there's, like, an era of, like, the danger that sort of made it exciting, too.
1: Yeah, 100%, and, like, it just felt like New York. Yeah. Like, it was given, like, this is New York, like... Everyone needs to watch out. There's no such thing as a safe space. You show up, you be yourself. If you have to fight, you defend yourself. And, you know, there was something about... That's why I wanted to move here. I wanted to be myself and I wanted to kind of just be thrown right into it. And, you know, things are definitely a little more for the vine, if you will. What is that? I mean? don't know. Like, <laughs> there was this app called Vine. Oh, Vine. And, like, People would like do something stupid and they'd be like, do
0: it for the Vine. Right. No, I love I miss Vine. Vine was like the best video platform in my opinion.
1: Yo, it was it was
0: great. It was great. Um
1: But things now are definitely like very smoke and mirrorsy. Like which it's just it's interesting. It's interesting, and I still have fun going out. I'm not knocking anything, mm-hmm. but it's interesting to like have gotten here right as that was shifting. Yeah, and to see the shift happen.
0: All right, so now, Maricon the party. Tell me about how that came about. Maricon um, the party. Um, I actually the
1: first 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 Maricon. I want to say it was in two thousand fourteen or fifteen. And I booked Joey LaBeja, um, who's one of my very close sisters. I love her. Um,
0: Where was it at? Where did you have it? It was at
1: Tropical 128. I didn't really hang out in gay spaces at all for a really long time. I would go to, like, Splash or, like, the random, like, gay bars. But the times that I did hang out in gay spaces, I realized... Because things were... It wasn't giving queer back then. It was giving...
0: mm mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a Chelsea g- Boys. Like,
1: yeah, um, <laughs> and like I realized that there was never anything with like reggaeton or Spanish music. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was like escuelitas, right? And café con leche, like those parties would happen. But I wanted like something that was more focused on kind of like reggaeton mm-hmm. and the shit that I like was really really into. That, like, I never really got a chance to listen to out. So then I brought the party back, and that was the main focus. And I think that was in, like, 2017 I brought it back. Um, you know, because I feel like we never had our spot. We never had our space.
0: Yeah, even even that I got to experience that, like, towards the end, like, I wasn't here. You know, I I would go with my cousin. And that was definitely, I feel like, not so much for us. It was, like, definitely for, like, The older crowd, I feel. 100%. Yeah. yeah,
1: Yeah. And I just... I don't know. I feel like I didn't find... I couldn't find, like, a scene that I felt 100% attached to. And, like, my motive at that time was not at all to, like, create that scene or anything like that. But I just wanted to, like, create an event to finally have that and be able to just, like, celebrate Latin music And celebrate being, like, artsy, but still a little hood, but still being, like, a faggot. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like that alt hood girl.
0: Yeah. You know? I definitely felt that. I've I've definitely, like, you don't quite fit into certain boxes. Um, So, at that point, when you were throwing these parties, were you... You already were DJing at that point, or...? No, so... I actually
1: so then i threw the second one where was that one with that was at mercury lounge
0: oh interesting
1: and i booked that one and i booked myself to dj only because i wanted to save money on the lineup <laughs> and like all my friends were djs at that point uh-huh. you know and all my friends were over new djs and stuff like that and like who played do you who played the first one the first one, or the second one, the, the one second one. one, um, student shout out to student, you're a fucking legend, mm-hmm. BB Alex BB, DJ BB, Bebe. um, Alex oh, Lopez, oh, cool. um, sweetheart, and me, and I think like my friend Tontu Taylor, Taylor Ward Cherry, love her too. Um, so they all played, and then I closed out, and that was my first time DJing ever, and like ever. Ever, 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 ever. And I... Were you scared? I was scared, but it was definitely one of those times where, like, I was just like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I felt really good about my track selection. And honestly, I turned it out not in terms of mixing. The mixing was a fucking train wreck. Like, I did not understand how to use the equipment at all. Mm -hmm. But I... But I knew what tracks I wanted to play. And it was... A lot of fun and from there I still I refused to call myself a DJ. um so I just kept playing my own party and then I started kind of like i I started viewing it as like this kind of like sonic journey that you can bring people in and I started finding out more about like more experimental like Latin music, you know like come and Durand. Like everything that Nafi was doing, Venus X, like I was so like, whoa, these kids are like taking everything I want to play, but just like their interpretation of it is so fucking refreshing and cool.
0: Cross genre. It was really
1: innovative. It was super innovative. Super. And I ended up actually getting asked to DJ a party. I can't even remember what it was. But then I took the gig. I didn't have equipment. I taught myself everything. I ended up actually like being able to use like two friends, like their equipment here and there to play. But like, you know, a lot of my like older DJ friends had someone there to kind of be their like DJ mother or like to just kind of like teach them how to. And I did not have that whatsoever and I Kind of just obsessed over blending and like how can I make this sound cool or different so yeah, so that's how I started djing I was throwing my own party, wanted to save money on a lineup and refusing to call myself a dJ mm-hmm. and then realizing that I was actually getting really into it and it was it was also teaching me a lot about music, you know like I was Digging for a reason, and it felt cool. And that was around the time when, like, Nguzi Nguzi was, like, big. And, like, Marka And once I, like, tapped into that, I was just like, wait, I, I'm i into this. I, you know, and it was never a thing about, like, making it my main source of income at all. It was just more so that I really started just enjoying it.
0: Yeah, and love of music and everything. yeah. We talked a little about that about the Maricon party. I'm just curious, like, when you created that party, did you feel like there was a market for that? Or, like, were people showing up that you were intended to, like, have that party for? Or was it just, like, what was the... I think there was definitely a market for it. But I really wanted it
1: to be Latin music, period. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, I created it because I wanted to, like, create that space for people. And... And my dream was really to, like, I was in this kind of moment where I was just like, I want your regular New Jersey train (laughs) to come out and hear the tracks that he loves to hear, but in a different way and, like, be inspired and be like, whoa, that was different.
0: That was cool. That's really interesting. And You, you you were playing music for trade. Always. (laughs) Always. <laughs> always, always, always yeah. bitch. Trades are my
1: sisters, but like, yeah. trades first. Yeah. And when you start just like really committing to it, you know, and not trying to change it up, people start to be a little more open and just learning, wanting to be like more open to just hearing new things that are still relatable and are still adjacent to like You know, whatever original track you're remixing. And it worked out. I mean, I had, like, the Uptown kids. I had the Brooklyn, like, indie, artsy kids that definitely were more receptive to it at first. Yeah. And then I would have, like, the Jersey trades. And I would have the, like, Jackson Heights trades, like, coming in and... I sometimes go onto the Maricong page to look at the, like, first couple parties because I have the stories highlighted. Yeah. And I'm like, bitch, like, for only being the second, third, fourth party, or third, fourth, fifth party, like, people wanted this. It was fucking fab. You know, like, I had Solange come to my party. Robin. Wow. Come to my party. Kalela, I saw. Kalela. You know what, also the cool thing, you know, when I say these names, it's not about, like, because I never, I always wanted to keep Marikong underground. Yeah. I wanted this underground feel. I never really wanted to do these huge sponsors and, like, kind of, because then I knew that I would have to switch it up and make it a little more, like, palatable or accessible or, you know, kind of water it down in order to, like, get that big corporate coins and stuff it was just never it never felt commercial it felt still very underground new york and that was my goal i just wanted to keep it like feeling fucking authentic feeling as like independent as possible and keeping that old new york edge you know my party definitely is a safe space but like it's also a little edgy. Who knows? Like,
0: yeah, definitely. And it's funny because, like, we've said this before earlier, but like, we were in parallel. We were in the same spaces. We were parallel to each other for so long. But yeah, I mean, I met you two years ago at the same release, and then I actually had never been to Maricon until I met you. Like, which is crazy that it wasn't on my radar. It's just you know the city's right. vast, and it's like Very. there's so much happening. Yeah, um, but it did stay underground in that sense then. <laughs> But, like, New York now more than ever has had so
1: many, like, parties come up. There are way more events than there ever were in New York right now. Especially within the same scene. Because back when I first started Maricón, like, the people in the, like, Bushwick scene, let's say. Like, not that many people were
0: throwing, like, that many parties. Mm. You know. No, it's true. I mean tonight I mean nowadays like sometimes there's four events that you have to choose from, like if you were gonna go out. And sometimes yeah. if you're crazy like me, you'll go to all of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So do you remember the first show that you played as a booked artist? I do
1: remember that like early on, I ended up playing a poppy Juice and it was on my birthday. Um, And I was really excited about that. I was so
0: happy they brought me on. Did they all kind of like happen at once? Was it like you did one? Other- they
1: just all started coming in. Like I remember Hannah Daly HD threw party and booked me for it. I remember I played a party for, Vaquera like, like a like fashion after party, um, I played a couple different things, um, but it's been so long I don't really remember. I don't remember my first ones. If I go into Record Box and I look at my playlist. I have all my playlists from every single gig. Really? I do. Wow. So I'll probably I'd probably be able to find it. I should create like a little Spotify playlist of every era.
0: Mm. Era. <laughs> uh, era. <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> She's
1: giving granny. <laughs> <laughs> um I remember my first, like first techno-focused gig, and that was for Bound, Katie Rex's party. Mm. I played at Good Room and I played it in the bad room and i turned it the fuck out nice i i want to hear that one that's when i was like oh i love playing techno like that's when i really started to like kind of like learn more and understand and i had played a bunch of like old 90s tracks and like things like dj rush and like So, like, those are sets that I, like, really remember.
0: What is it about, that I know, like, what you described, like, you turned it out, like, what is it about the DJ being up there that is so fulfilling that, like, you want to keep doing it, like?
1: So, I'm somebody that likes to mix and blend heavily, Mm -hmm. and I remember that gig, I was using three CDJs most of the night. And, like, that was one of my first gigs using three CGJs. And I think what was so fulfilling was learning how to loop tracks and how to pull different elements from each track to kind of, like, almost create your own sound or track in general. And that's that was when I was like, oh, bitch, I'm fucking wet. Like, when the audience is going crazy Mm -hmm. and you're... I think... What I really enjoy is when I know that I'm, like, being very technical and the audience is responding. And you're seeing them,
0: yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, like, that's something, so that's why, like, that's why I love, like, this project that you're the first guest on. Because it's, like, I hear, like, especially when it's a three CDJ setup, like, the looping and the sampling, it's, like, I'm one of those people that hears all that and I'm just, like, freaking out. And it's, like, not everyone is attuned to that or not even, like, paying attention in that way. Like, I'll, like, go to the person next to me and be like, oh, we're hearing this sample. And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And it's just, like, or, like, I'll say, oh, that's this, and then minutes later they're like, oh, shit, yeah, you're right. Like, that kind of thing. Like, I'm just my ear to that stuff is, like, just I really geek out on that. So it's, like, really. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Um, if you were booking a night, like, what would be, like, your dream lineup, DJ lineup for um, like a party. Anyone that's like on the scene now, or like you can go as crazy with that answer as you want. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you like
1: a couple of different examples, okay. but like so so also like with Maricon, you know, I threw it on my own for a while, and then I brought in Fried Blatano, mm-hmm. Elvin, yeah. um, and we have, like, dove into, like, the Café con Leche crew and just, like, all those people and those producers and DJs. So, like, if I was to do... If I was to do a night focused on Latin House or, like, Travel House, my dream lineup would be, like, Kenny Dope, Lord G, Junior Vasquez, mm-hmm. Louis Vega, just those people. If I wanted to give that old school sound, like I would die. Right, that would be my ultimate all star lineup. For more like New Agey stuff, like I mean, I I get to DJ with DJ Florentino, who's a producer from London fucking iconic um he's throwing a party on my birthday february 16th um at paragon and i'm actually going to be djing with um calvin duran who has always been a huge influence um of mine and with florentino with eccies um so i'm really excited about that and that's kind of fulfilling a dream for me Mm. um so you're on the dream lineup then I'm on the dream line. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, um, I think off the mic you asked me a question about,
0: like, a back-to-back or something Yeah, like yeah. That. What would be, like, a dream back-to-back for you?
1: So, I would love to do... There's a couple people there. Um, I would love, when it came to, like, old-school underground reggaeton, DJ Negro, DJ Blast, DJ Playero... Those three for, like, old-school reggaeton would be fucking sick. Or if we're talking a little more, like, New Age. I mean, DJ Baba. I've been trying to get DJ Baba from Marikong for years. And it's just been hard because of Visa stuff. Mm. But doing it back-to-back with DJ Baba would be, like, a Where's, fucking dream. base He is in Caracas. Mm, okay. um, And... You know, I love, like, America Bay. Um, let's see, who else? There's other people there, but I am i can't really. I'm kind of on the spot. But DJ Baba is one person. Nick Leone, I think, is a great producer. Um, doing some really fucking cool stuff. That would be a really fun, like, back-to-back or lineup. Um, but off of the top of my head, those are, like, the people that I think... Yeah, those are the people that are, like, constantly in my head that I'm thinking about quite a bit in terms of, like, wanting to book or would love to, like, back-to-back with.
0: Have you thought about moving in, into the production space at all? Or do you Absolutely. Want to... I have
1: made quite a few tracks. It's <laughs> Like, not good. <laughs> um, Any vocals from your church singing days? I mean, I would tear... Yeah. The let's, let's do it. Uh, let's hear it. You, you want to hear a little sample? <laughs> Alright, give us a freestyle. Oh, okay. I'm, Chill kidding, out. I'm <laughs> I gotta get paid for that, baby. Um <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm like, it's giving <laughs> email my manager. <laughs> um but no production, yes, absolutely. I mean, I have a folder dedicated to tracks that I'm very inspired by, that I would love to use as like a base of what my production would sound like. Um, I think I would really like to merge a lot of like tribal house with techno and with like, a reggaeton bass line Or beat But maybe sped up And you know There's there's things That exist In that realm already But um, I have a full vision Of what I want to produce It's more so Just learning Ableton And like having the time To like put into Like really Really figuring out How to produce
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, And I think that's The big thing that's That's getting in my way Is finding the time to really, like, learn Ableton and how to create what I hear in my head. But yes, um, hopefully soon I will have a little release for y'all.
0: Yes, we love that. It's also interesting to me, like, in terms of, like, production and remixing, I feel like we were talking about, like, 2010s, that era. I feel like there was way more people releasing remixes, like, and not through these formal processes. It's probably like way more copyright and every, all that stuff is It's way more. It's, it's a different landscape than it was then. just releasing music.
1: What is, I remember when like, I remember when, I want to say it was like 2016, 17, mm-hmm. maybe even 15, um, SoundCloud started taking down yep. people's mixes and people's remixes. And that was the first time that that happened and it was because of copyright laws Mm -hmm. and, like, people were fucking shocked.
0: Yeah, when I was blogging, yeah, all my shit, I would get DMCA or whatever, DMCA, whatever the thing was. Yeah. Like, emails all the time, like, gotta take this down.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. It's, um... It's changed a lot and I think that, like, I think it's good that, like, I think it's good that, like, certain artist stuff is protected. But the gag is that a lot of times it's these huge record labels that are probably not even paying their artists what they deserve that are making you take down like a remix and stuff like that, which is kind of unfortunate. But, um, I definitely want to, I want to toy around with like samples of tracks that I listened to growing up, but not so much create remixes. I think
0: just like a heavy influence rather than a remix. So we've talked about a lot of the genres that you explore in your DJ sets and the Maricon parties, you know, tribal, reggaeton, all these things. Is there any genres that you haven't really explored musically, like in DJ sets, production, whatever, that you um, would like to explore? Maybe just...
1: Yeah, so I've, I've been tapping into like things like Miami Bass and UK Garage a little bit, but the... I feel like I've definitely not tapped into, like, drum and bass and jungle and, like, very heavily breaky stuff
0: that much. Yeah, no, I'd really love to hear your perspective on that. Um, maybe we'll get a mix. Do you, you want a mix? That?
1: You want a drum and bass mix? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Challenge. It's a challenge, bitch. Yeah.
0: Okay, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> All right, well, this was a lovely conversation. Really geeked out with you. Um, we're gonna we have a lot more to talk about offline. We do, uh, but thank you so much for like agreeing to do this. First of all, being the first person and like being so open and sharing so much.
1: Yeah. Anytime. Thank you so much for thinking of me. I
0: feel honored. Yeah. I mean, this has been a year in the make. Literally a year in the making. Wait. We've been talking. You've You've been like when are we going to do it? <laughs> but then it would be like, yeah. Then I'm like, oh shit, I'm not ready yet. It was like... Right, and then you would be at nonstop.
1: Oh. stop <laughs> <laughs> And we're like, oh, I woke up at seven. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But I think it just needed to happen at the right time and this is definitely the right time. I appreciate yeah. you for making the time.
1: Of course, thank you so much for having yeah. me. I love you. love you too.
0: Afters is recorded, mastered, and edited by Tomas Skelly. Music by Niccolo Bernardi. Art by Cisne. Afters is produced, edited, and directed by myself, Anthony Cuellar, in New York City.